Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. It's December 3rd, 2017. Hello and welcome to Working for a Living radio show, where progressives for change present opinions that matter. Tonight we're joined by co-hosts David Fillion and Jeff Brown. I'm your moderator, Leroy McKnight. Please, remember, good leadership is never about power and control, but rather for the honor and the privilege of serving the members in the interest of the membership. To be sure... Each and every member of the leadership team of Working for a Living is committed to returning our union, the UAW, to a labor ethos, and that ethos then administered in the interest of the rank-and-file members. Having said that, we certainly hope all of you had an enjoyable Thanksgiving and that you had a lot of fun and stayed safe. We have a few announcements. Remember the team working for a living supports Medicare for everyone and removing the cap of 127,000 limitation on earnings that are subject to uh, participation in the Social Security program. Announcement number two, on November 23rd, the FCC announced its plan to slash net neutrality rules, allowing ISPs to block apps, slow websites, and charge fees to control what you see and do online. On November 27th, the the Detroit Three CEOs met with Vice President Pence regarding NAFTA. I imagine that was an interesting meeting. Announcement number four, on November 30th, the UAW's ruling caucus made its nominations. More on that later in the show. Announcement number five, at 1.58 a.m. on December 2nd, the United, in the middle of the night, the United States Senate passed a tax cut bill and sent it to conference committee where the uh, House and Senate versions will be reconciled to yield a single bill. There will be two more votes that will be necessary. Announcement number six, everyone, please remember that a very valuable benefit available to the members is the Tuition Assistance Program, also known as TAP. Please consider taking full advantage of TAP to educate yourself further. I have a few uh, messages and email. Uh, first one, thank you for, for providing insight into the process, both informative and interesting into the actual rules and regulations. That's from Tennessee. Number two, I would love to join this cause. I have a lot of questions and need answers. I feel GM has let me down and others. That's from Indiana and Tennessee. We did follow up and believe we were able to help uh, shed some light on that. Announcement number, or email number 
three regarding your nominee response. Excellent read. We'll definitely recommend this site all the way from Ireland. Thank you, George. Uh, we have another friend from Ireland over there, but this one wasn't. Uh, thanks to all the email writers. We appreciate that a great deal. Uh, next up is this week's quote. Our labor unions are not narrow, self-seeking groups. They have raised wages, shortened hours, and provided supplemental benefits. Through collective bargaining and grievance procedures, they have brought justice and democracy to the shop floor. John Fitzgerald Kennedy, September 5, 1960. Let's bring on the co-hosts, Jeff Brown and David Fillion. Hi, Jeff. How are you doing? I'm good, Leroy. How are you? I'm good. Been been kind of busy around here this week, as you might imagine. Uh, so yes. uh, it's always good to hear from you. I uh, understand you had an interesting union meeting, but we'll we'll let that let that lie for the moment. Uh, it's going to get interesting, I'm quite sure. So, uh, David, you there? Yep. Yeah. How are you guys doing tonight? Good. Hey, Dave. Hey, Jeff. Good. Not doing too uh, bad tonight. Yeah, pretty nice day here. Yeah. Go ahead, Dave. I'm a little bit dismayed by the ball selection process. Um, I think Michigan State got robbed. We should have been playing in the outback ball on New Year's Day. Instead, two unranked teams will play in uh um, outback bowl. Interesting. Unranked teams. Well, I would note for the record that the Ohio State University thumped Wisconsin in the Big Ten playoff championship game. So, go Ohio State. I'm on your side. <laughs> okay. Um, I haven't said all of that. Uh, let's let uh, Jeff get into his report. Uh, Jeff, you want to take it away there with your constitutional series number 10? I think you're on Article 8, Section 10 through 15, as I recall, this week. Yes, yes. And if, uh, excuse me, if I sound kind of rough, my voice is going to be trouble. So we're going to continue on here. Um, this section is still under the uh, conventions. Uh, section 10, not less than 90 days previous to the convening of the regular conventions of the International Secretary Pleasure shall issue the call to the convention and thus furnish all local unions with credentials and ultimate credentials. Such credentials must be completed by the delegates alternate delegates and verified by the local union president and recording secretary. Each credential and alternate credential shall be submitted to the international secretary treasurer through the local union information system or, or by such other means as specified by the international secretary treasurer in convening special conventions 
not less than 30 days, you shall be required to call, to issue the call. Section 11. No member is eligible to serve as a delegate from his or her local union unless he or she has been in continuous good standing of this international convention for 12 months immediately preceding the first day of the month in which the convention is held and shall also be a member of the local union electing him or her for the three months immediately preceding the first day of the convention is held. For the purpose of this special this section of the Constitution, members must pay their dues or secure out-of-work receipts in accordance to provision, with the provisions of this Constitution. Section 12, local unions. In order to be entitled to representation, that convention shall have been affiliated with the International Union for less than three months prior to the holding of the of the convention. New local unions have paid into paid two months full per capita tax prior to the month in which the convention is to be held. If such newly chartered local union has been in existence since the preceding convention, it shall be in, it shall be entitled to its full quota of delegates based upon the average number of a month's per capita tax paid to the international union during a period of, of time since the preceding convention. With respect to duly chartered local unions who received the charter to the last convention, uh, representation shall likewise be based on the per capita tax paid into the international union average over the period of time from the preceding convention. In case of a aggravated local union where a workplace has been organized for over a year and secures a tra separate charter, it shall not be considered a new local union. Members representing local unions or unit organizations within amalgamated local unions which shall have not been in existence for 12 months prior to the convention shall be exempt from all provisions of, provisions of Section 11 of this article, provided they become members of their local union or unit organization not later than 30 days after the insurance of acceptance under the charter charter of uh, Section 13. Each member of the International Retired Workers' Advisory Council shall automatically be a delegate to the UAW Constitutional Convention with voice and one vote as provided in Article 55, Section 4F of this Constitution. Section 14, international officers and international representatives of the International Union shall have a voice but no vote at the Convention of the International Union unless they are dutifully, duly uh, accredited delegates from local unions. Any member who is eligible may be selected to the office whether he or she is a delegate to the International Convention. 
Section 15, copies of all resolutions and constitutional amendments to be considered by the convention must be provided by the local union membership and sent to the international secretary treasurer not later than six weeks prior to the date set for, for the convention. These will then be sorted and distributed by the international secretary treasurer among the chairpersons of the previous and proper committees. Protests of delegate elections must be received by the international secretary treasurer by whichever is the following dates occur first. One, not more than seven days after the local union delegate election, or two, not less than 21 days prior to the convening of the convention. These protests shall be referred to the Credentials Committee, and Credentials Committee may waive failure to comply with the foregoing time limitation where the interest of the justice would be required. That's 10 through 15 of Article 8, and we still have a lot more sections of this article to continue with. It's rather long. So, so I got here, right? Okay. Well, thank you, Jeff. Uh, uh, Section 11, I believe, addresses the issue of uh, the required time limit before you can run as a delegate. You must be uh, a continuous member in good standing in the international union, in other words, anywhere, any local, for 12 months. So you have to be in good standing for 12 months. But you must be a member of the local union that you're running in for three months prior to the first day of the month in which the convention is held. So if Correct. it's June, you go back three months. So that sort of that question came up throughout the, the last week uh, about uh, somebody wanting to run for delegate, and that person. I hope this answered your question for you. That uh, you were denied last time uh, the, the ability to run. Uh, because they said you didn't have time enough. And it appears that you did have time, according to uh, Section 11 of Article 8. And we just uh, read that out for you. I hope that answered your question, and I hope that doesn't happen to anybody in the future uh, where they're denied opportunity to run. Of course, there's a lot of uh, constitutional violations going on around our union uh, of late. And we're going to be addressing some of those, that, uh, in particular uh, uh, some that have happened in the past uh, year or so. So anyhow, uh, thank you for your report, uh, Jeff. Uh, is there anything on on these uh, five sections you covered, uh, actually six sections, that you uh, think there may need to be a change in? Yeah. I think just maybe one or two small ones. Um, but basically, it looks okay to me. Okay. All right. David, do you do you have any uh, comments on Jeff's report or any changes you see that might need to be made in 
Jeff, think about those and, and you know, let us know what they are. Uh, you know, if okay. you have... Okay, I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that section of the Constitution. Okay. Well, we have five or six of them he covered there, so 10 through 15. Uh, so... Jeff, do you have specifics on which things you'd like to see changed or, or or not at this time? Not at this time, Leroy. Um, okay. I know we had uh, several others that we've talked about uh, that need to be changed. Yeah. Uh, certainly the uh, Joint Council Delegate system uh, is problematic mm -hmm. in many local unions. So, um, oh, at 600? Yeah. yeah, that's the example that we've been using, you know, where people don't have voice or a vote at their general membership meeting. That's, that is um, problematic. Yeah. I'm not sure that complies with the actual uh, federal law either. So we'll we'll get into that a little further uh, as this uh, series goes along. We'll have plenty of time to uh, get these resolutions and put them out there for everybody to take a look at, anybody that has any uh, you know thoughts on them. Uh, they can bring those to everybody's attention. So, uh, all right, uh, with uh, that done, uh, David, do you want to start your report? Sure, all right. Um, let's start with Gary Jones. Um, Gary Jones was gotta, elected director. you got to tell everybody oh. what you're doing. <laughs> Let everybody know what, what you're going to be doing, David. He will be, um, has been nominated by the administration caucus to uh, take Dennis Williams' spot as president of the UAW. Um, Gary Jones was elected director of UAW Region 5 at the union's 36th constitutional convention in June of 14. Um, he was first elected to serve as director of Region 5 in a special election that was held on October 19, 2012, in Kansas City, Missouri. Jones was previously the region's assistant director, filled the director's position formerly held by Jim Wells. Um, he had led the region since 1995. Um, region 5. Um, served 17 states in the western and southwestern United States, including Missouri, California, Washington State. Um, he was a graduate of the University of Tulsa and is a public certified accountant by trade. Um, he was appointed top administrative assistant to former UAW Secretary-Treasurer Rory Wise in 95. Um, he continued to serve in that capacity to Secretary-Treasurer Ruben Burks and Elizabeth Bond until his appointment as Region 5 Director in 2004. 1990, um, Owen Bieber then Secretary Treasurer Bill Cass Stevens appointed Jones to the international staff. He was assigned to the union's accounting department. A year later, Jones was named Chief Accountant of the UAW. 
a UAW member since 1975, um, Gary hired in to Ford's Glass Plant in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. He also became a member of Local 249, Kansas City Ford Assembly Plant, um, when the glass plant closed. Um, that's about it on his bio. Um, he seems to have been appointed um, to just about everything, except for a couple of elections here and there. If you guys have uh, want to have discussion on that, also ask Jeff. Do you got any comments on this particular bio, Jeff? No, it was interesting. Um, and being a uh, uh, you know, working at the glass plant and a CPA, um, but I don't. I don't think he's the correct man job for the man, man for the job. Um, so I got me right. Okay. Well, possibly some of the. Go ahead. Possibly some of the members. Um, at the Kansas City truck plant may have some uh, history on um, Gary Jones. Um, in particular, we would like to actually know if he has ever actually physically assembled a part to an automobile or a truck um, during his tenure in the UAW. Um, if anybody has information in regards to that, please email it to us at working for a living at workingforaliving.com. Okay, yeah. Well, I'll reserve my comments for now. Go ahead, David. Okay. Next up, Terry Dates. Terry Dates, um, I assume, will um, attempt to be reelected to Region 9. Terry was um, re-elected director of Region 9 at the 36th convention, June of 14. Heights was first elected director of Region 9 at a special convention held on March 26, 2014 in Buffalo, New York. Heights was hired um, in 1978 at the Fisher Body Plant in Trenton, New Jersey. Um, he became a member of UAW... 731. In 1980, he transferred to General Motors Parts Warehouse in Ben Salem, PA, Pennsylvania, and became a member of Amalgamated UAW Local 585. Later, he became a member of 2177 when his plant was granted a charter for that unit of, in the GM's parts department. 1985, he was elected alternate committee man. Um, that was at local 2177. He became a full-time committee person in 1986 and was re-elected to the post in 89. In 1992, he was elected chairperson of the bargaining committee. He was re-elected as shop chair for two more consecutive terms. He was appointed to Region 9 servicing staff August of 99 
by President Steve Jokic. Um, in February of 2012, he was appointed assistant director of the UAW Gaming Department by Vice President Joe Ashton. In April of 13, Dice was appointed assistant director of Region 9 by President Bob King and Region 9 director Scott Adams. And that concludes his bio. Okay. Jeff, you got any comment? No, I don't, Leroy. Okay. I'll, I'll reserve my comments for now. Thank you, David. Go ahead to the next one. Okay. Let's go to um, UAW Secretary Gary Castile. Gary Castile was elected UAW Secretary Treasurer at the 36th Constitutional Convention in 2014. Um, Castile has been a member of the UAW since 1988 and was first elected Director of UAW Region 8 in June of 2002 at the 33rd Constitutional Convention in Las Vegas. He was re-elected in 2006 and again in 2010. Um, Region 8 covers a big area. Um, Tennessee, Kentucky, Virginia, West Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina, Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, Florida, the District of Columbia, Maryland, Delaware, and four counties of Pennsylvania. Castillo... um, prior to coming to the UAW was in the steam fitters and pipe fitters union, local 760 in Muscle Shoals, Alabama. Um, for eight years prior to joining UAW local 737, he was hired as a pipe fitter welder at Ford, Glass, and Nashville. In the early to mid-90s, He served on the local 737 bargaining and on the negotiating teams for the modern operating agreement. Um, In 96, he also served as lead negotiator between the local and Ford Motor Company. Castillo was twice elected vice president of UAW Ford Subcouncil 3 and three times as skilled trades representative. Um, a member of UAW Local 3036 in Memphis, Tennessee, Castile was appointed to the staff of International Union in 1997 by UAW President Stephen Um After his appointment to UAW staff, Castile serviced UAW members at Saturn, Ford, and various independent parts firms as well as supporting retired union members and activists in the UAW CAP councils. Um, Castillo had uh, experience in grievance handling, arbitration, contract administration, and organizing. Um, Since his election as Region 8, he has remained a community activist and led a partnership between the UAW and our allies in the pursuit of economic and social justice. Um, that's the claim here, anyway. 
Um, his determination in achieving civil and human rights for all has helped inspire the largest union organizing drives in the southeast. Um, I guess we all know how that worked out. Um, uh, in uh, 2012, um, actually it was 14, excuse me, um, Gary made a serious mistake with a comment that he made that helped usher in right to work in the state of Wisconsin. Um, his comments were picked up by the Heritage Foundation um, and just about every other right to work advocacy um, known to man came forward with these comments to use it against the working people of Wisconsin. The comment that he made um, was that he preferred organizing in a right-to-work environment. This is something I never understood, that people think right-to-work hurts unions, Castile said in February. According to a July 1st piece in the Washington Post, to me, it helps them. You don't have to belong if you don't want to, Castile said. So if I go to an organizing drive and I can tell these workers, if you don't like this arrangement, you don't have to belong. Versus if we get 50% of you, then all of you have to belong. Whether you like it or not, I don't even like the way that sounds. Because it's a voluntary system, and if you don't think this system's earning its keep, then you don't have to pay. This is only my opinion, but ever since he made this comment, like I said, Gary Castillo scammed. You guys can have that thought. Okay. Jeff, do you have any comments on that? Um, yeah, but I, I'll keep that to myself at the moment. Um, a lot of us know what happened on uh, Chattanooga couple of years back, so we'll just keep it quiet for now. Okay. Thank you, Jeff. I have some comments on this one. That wasn't just picked up by right-to-work bloggers. That was reported in the Washington Post mainstream media, his comments about right-to-work. And he's hurt us in efforts to avoid right to work with no question. This is a self-professed person that wants economic and social justice, yet he presides currently over Detroit three organizations with six tiers in them, people working side by side, six different categories, wages, benefits hardly what you'd call economic justice. And while he was region director, he signed a document that had a neutrality agreement on it in Volkswagen that provided for a German works council to support 
plan. The UAW long-held grievance procedures. Bring in another union into our union. He did that because the entire executive board of the International Union promoted and supported such action. The German Works Council provides for you to make a complaint to the Works Council. The Works Council is made up of hourly rank and file members and salary members, some management. They make a decision on your complaint, and if you don't like that, your only essential justice, as this is constructed in Europe, would be to go to the outside court system at your own expense. Gary Castile signed that document, trying to get that approved at Volkswagen Chattanooga. I have little regard for this man or any of his policies regarding financial and economic justice or social justice when you do such things as put in a failed Works Council. All you need to do is translate Works Council in Google and then search it and you will find hundreds of thousands of complaints in Europe about a German Works Council. It's not working there and it doesn't need to be brought into our union. Currently, in Region 8, there's an office with the German Works Council. So far, to our knowledge, nothing, nothing has been brought in union from a Works Council. But they have an office in one of the local unions in Region 8. New people would like to go forward with that. Just keep that in mind when you're considering putting these people in power. All right. Take that um, next Leroy, one. Take, go Leroy, ahead. Could you explain um, to the membership exactly and specifically what bringing um, a works council into the UAW would do to the grievance procedure? virtually eliminate the grievance procedure if it's brought in in its raw state. The Works Council, as I indicated, is intended to have a complaint submitted to it. They make a decision, and then if you're not happy with it, it goes out to the court structure. That's how it's set up in Europe. The Works Council is elected, 
Guess who runs the election? Management runs the election. Once they're elected, management sends them to all manner of education required to the point where most of the Works Council members in Europe have PhDs. So their argument is their head and shoulders above anybody from the plant floor. They have, if you go and just Google it, I will tell you that there are comments about the election process akin to the East German chancellor getting reelected every time by 99%. And that's what they compared the election for Works Council members to. Implicit in that is that the election was tainted. Again, it's run by management. And it includes members, as I said, salary personnel and hourly personnel that seem to be there forever and are fed gallons of Kool-Aid when it comes time. We'll talk about some of that stuff a little later in the show regarding the current situation, some of the plan, plants that we have. So uh, the grievance procedure would essentially be done with now, there's some talk that after that uh, Works Council decision is made, then maybe the, the committee can write a grievance, but uh, that's only talk. What's in, what's in black letter print in Europe, if they bring that over here, and that's what the neutrality agreement indicated, is that there, you file a complaint. It goes to a works council. You don't like their answer from the Kool-Aid drinkers. Then it, you only, your only essential justice is to go out at your own expense into the courts, local court system. Notwithstanding, you're paying pretty healthy union dues. That is something they want to push forward. Bob King is quoted as saying, I think a works council will fit very nicely within the Detroit Three. Dennis Williams said that he wanted to continue all the efforts of Bob King. A lot of Kool-Aid going on over there at Solidarity House. Okay, I think that answered your question, David. Thank you, Mr. answered it very well. Moving on, um, Cindy Estrada, um, she will more than likely be seeking re-election to her current position as um, UAW of GM Operations. Um, she was first elected um, vice president in 2010. She was um, 
elected to her second term as vice president in June of 14, the 36th Constitutional Convention. Um, Estrada grew up in a UAW home. Her father um, was an organizer. So she was around this type of activity um, as a kid growing up. Um, She um, did go on to um, conduct one of the most successful organizing drives um, in Detroit factories. Um, And... uh, she was successful as an organizer. I, I, I can't take that away from her. Um, so she, um, after graduating from the University of Michigan with a bachelor's degree in education, began organizing. Um, so Cindy is basically a teacher by trade. Um she doesn't have any seniority in any GM plant. Um, and to my knowledge, I can't find where she's ever assembled a part to any vehicle in a plant. Um, in 95, uh, Strata was assigned to help organize workers at Mexican Industries in South Detroit. Um, that was the huge victory that I was talking about. After that victory... Um, President Steve Jokic appointed Estrada to the International's organizing staff in 2000. In 2006, Vice President Terry Thurman appointed her as his top administrative assistant overseeing the development and implementation of UAW's organizing strategy. Um, Following the retirement of Thurman, then President Ron Gettelfinger appointed her to serve as National Organizing Director. Um, 2010, during her first term as International Vice President, her responsibilities (coughs) included directing the UAW Independence Parts Suppliers, Competitive Shop Department, Public Sector and Healthcare Servicing Department and the Women's Department. Um, she uh, um, also um, was uh, Shop Department Director. And I lost my place here. Estrada probably honored the reason Walter Ruther urged the dependent establishment in 1968 to use the UAW's parts worker density to establish minimum industry-wide compensation standards in IPS contracts. Um, That's about all that I have on Cindy. Um, One thing I will say about Cindy Um, Although she has never assembled a part to a car, probably doesn't make her presidential material um, to lead GM as a vice president. However, her successes and um, the work that she's done in organizing, um, that's where she really shines. 
Um, she speaks a fluent Spanish. And without having um, incompetent people surrounding her, she might do some wonderful things. That's all I have to say. Okay. Jeff, do you have anything to add? No, no, I don't. You're right. Okay. I uh, would add a couple of things. First, at the last sub-council meeting, Vice President Estrada talked about our product is signed, and she took responsibility for some of that product being assigned. It is not for any union member to assign product. It is not for any union member to participate in any such thing as making the corporations more productive. It's for management to do their job. It's management's responsibility to make facilities more productive, and it's the union's position when they make bad decisions to hold them accountable. The reason I'm going to submit this, the reason that in at least one facility General Motors, under the vice presidency of Sister Vice President Estrada, allows the union to manage manpower moves. We're going to talk more about that a little later. But the reason that the union is doing this, I submit, is because the vice president of the General Motors Department of the United Auto Workers never spent a second in a General Motors facility. There is no way union should be administering our union should be administering manpower moves ever we'll talk more about that in a little while but it's because we have somebody at the top of the department doesn't know any better. Okay, David, who's next? Okay. Well, we'll move on to Rory Gamble. Rory Gamble was elected to a third term as director of UAW-1A. I assume he is, um expects to run for re-election for that region. Um, he uh, 
was last elected at the last convention, 36th Constitutional Convention. Um, he was first elected to lead the region in June of 06. Region A covers most of Wayne County, Michigan, including part of Detroit, Monroe, Washtenaw counties, and the extended, and it extends to the Ohio border. Um, Gamble um, hired in in uh, 1974 um, as a fixture repairman. Um, when he was hired in, at the Ford Motor Company, Dearborn, Michigan, frame plant, um, he immediately became um, active in uh, Local 600. Um, he uh, was first elected um, in 1975 to um, serve as a trustee for Local 600. From 76 to 99, 79, he was the local's alternate benefit representative. Um, he served as bargaining committee chair for, in 1984. In 88, he was appointed staff director and administrative assistant for local 600 president um, with third stage grievance agendas um, for all the Rouge plant all the Rouge, Ford Rouge plant workers. And he also served as an editor of UAW Facts, local newspaper. Um, he was elected delegate to the UAW's 32nd Constitutional Convention and served on the Constitution Committee. Um, since uh, 87, Gamble's assignments have included local union health and safety coordinator, Employee Service Support Program, Education Director, Civil Rights Coordinator, Fitness Center Coordinator, Family Services and Learning Center Coordinator. He served as Director of Local 600 Ford Units, including Dearborn Engine, Fuel Tank, Dearborn Truck Plant, Milan, Industrial Athlete, and Dearborn Frame. Other assignments have included retirees liaison and coordinator um, of the Rouge Rehabilitation Center. In 98 and 2003, Gamble served on the UAW Ford National Negotiating Team. Um, from 93 to 02, he was elected to three terms as the local's recording secretary. Um, Gamble was elected first vice president of Local 600 in 02 and re-elected in 05. Um, that's about all I have on uh, Rory Gamble. Thank you, David. I'm going to uh, ask Jeff uh, to not comment on this one. Uh, I will only comment that it is my opinion that this person has a real problem with properly administering the UAW Constitution and shouldn't be elected to dog catcher because of that. Okay, 
all I got on him. I assume you're speaking directly to um, stuff. About I'm not gonna, let's, not, let's not go there, David. Okay. Let's not go there. There's this. I said what I need to say, and that's all I'm going to say right now. Okay. okay. We have right. some issues okay. with this gentleman. Real serious okay. issues. All right. That concludes um, the bios of the five. Okay. Well, um, Jeff, do you have anything else to offer? Uh. Many of those people that were they brought up are basically, in my opinion, the makers of the Kool-Aid that they try to make the membership drink. So that's all I'll say, really. Okay. Thank you, Jeff. Uh, I think I've indicated that there's some policies that want to be forwarded by the International Executive Board past and likely future that are not in the best interest of the membership. I've spoken at least on three of them that I think are not qualified to do the job that they're in or aspiring to be in. And that's all I'll say about that. So, um, uh, anything else that you have, David? No. That's all the okay. information I collected on all five of them. Yeah, we asked David to, uh, in our team meeting, we asked David to uh, take a look at the five executive officers, uh, and we'll try and break more down later in, as the you know time goes by. Uh, so we'll... You know, we'll keep working that out. I think David's done a real nice job doing that. So, And I know Jeff is doing a real nice job on his Constitution series. Um, comment was just made that somebody should be in realistic touch with the membership in order to be president on, on Facebook. My phone... Yeah, I agree on it. Yeah, my phone rings daily, daily, with problems from the plant floor that are not being addressed properly or adequately by their representatives. And some of them are horrific situations. The GM-UAW agreement provides that there's no discrimination for all the categories. UAW Constitution provides that there be no discrimination for all the categories. You heard those categories a couple of shows ago where we broke down the protected classes. You can, it's, it was in my report at the end of the show, two shows ago. Um, I got to tell you that the people that are being most disabused are the women in the plants. 
sexual harassment. Story where one person was told to go by the committee. You sit here and I'll come back and get you. Management came along 30 minutes later and fired him. I'm pretty much on top of everything that's going on in the plants that's wrong. And I typically will have at least one two-hour conversation during any given day of the week, seven days a week, with people who have been disabused or disenfranchised by our own organization. I'm pretty much on top of things. In addition to studying the economic issues that would give our members more money and a bigger bite out of the apple that we believe has been diverted into corporate executive pension plans. That will end when we ascend to leadership. Talking about corporate life insurance, otherwise known as dead peasants insurance. The corporations aren't going to like a new administration coming in and addressing some of the issues that this cozy relationship that's been identified in the newspaper has given us. At least one contract seems to have been tainted. We'll find out more. And like I said, seems to be. We'll find out more as the investigations go forward. I want to talk about a call I had Friday. A member called and said, and it's not hard to get a hold of me. You know, you you know, the people know how to get a hold of me. There's there's somebody that said, well, I I've ignored them. You know, you got to get a hold of me. You know, first of all, if you have a problem, there's a there's a email address we say every show, working for a living at working for a living. One lady actually sent a message on a comment of one of the shows that I followed up yesterday with. It was just a comment on one of the shows. We don't typically identify the people that make the comments because we don't want them outed for their own personal safety and protection of their livelihood. But we do follow up. But I got a uh, actually a referral from somebody, and uh, I said, "Well, just you know, we'll communicate." And the member, a minority member, I think minority, was on a preferred job, reasonable seniority, in a General Motors facility. This is a sad, sad sad story, akin to 
worse behavior than in 1934 and 5 before we became a union. Horrible behavior. Doesn't get any worse. Maybe it could. You'd have to, you know, actually do something physically to them, but not much. So the the person, the member, said, I was in a preferred job and three people on the same category, and that uh, I, uh, the person, the member, was middle seniority. They moved the member out of the preferred job in a preferred department. Not only moved the member out of the preferred job, but moved the member out of the preferred department into the assembly area. Some of the tougher jobs were there, especially with Appendix K going on where you can't even have a speed-up hardly anymore because you're required to have the president and the chairperson work with management to make it more efficient so they get a better BIQ number. Built-in quality. And if you don't have a high enough BIQ number, you can't get new work for your facility. That's another subject, but let's talk about this member. The member was made to f sign a temporary uh, assignment document, and once signed that document, put in a return to work prior department, prior, prior classification, and was refused because the member had signed this. Very, very, very sad. Now the member can't even go back to the job the member had. So the member tries to file a grievance. The committee tells a member, oh, we have to have an MOU for you to do that. Memorandum of Understanding for those of you wondering what an MOU is. There's no MOU required to return to work in any capacity. I've worked in seven different facilities on four local unions, including the Pioneer Hall of our wonderful union. Second day I worked there, as a kid, an old man come up to me and grabbed my right shoulder and shook me good and hard and said, we were on the sidewalk walking out, remember. He said, people died right, right here on this sidewalk so you could work here today, and don't you ever forget it. I didn't know what he meant. I do now, and I have for a long time. Not a day goes by when I don't think about it. There's no, no MOU required to return to your job. So the member went to the chairperson 
mature person said, that's my decision. And if you don't like it, Smugly said, if you don't like my decision, you can appeal it. Meaning that you can appeal it under Article 33. And the chairperson knew exactly that he controlled the membership meeting by and through the document 46 people required to go to meetings and be holding to the local leadership to continue to have their cushy little clipboard job. This is document 46. And that there was no essential justice by and through Article 33 because of that. So the person is now relegated with a lot of seniority to working on the assembly line. Still a good job. Decent pay. Not the preferred job the member was on. And then I asked, what about, you know, management has to abide by the agreement. And manage, you know, in these manpower moves. And management has to abide by a whole lot of human resources law that management's required to abide by. Oh, well, the member says, management doesn't handle our manpower moves. The union does. So management's got the union doing their work. Management would not be allowed to do this if they were doing it. They wouldn't be allowed to do it for beholding of the, you know, the federal laws that they're supposed to abide by, including the protected class of this ethnic minority person who has moved out out of line of seniority and refused the opportunity to go back to work in the previous job. The reason for that is management doesn't handle manpower moves. The union does. So the management now imposes on the union to do the manpower moves and move people uncontractually and without regard to federal law, UAW Constitution, or the GM-UAW agreement that prevents and protects certain classes. They don't have to abide by it because they now are the administrators. Well, they're supposed to go by it. Yeah, you can file an Article 33. But we just went through that, didn't we? So the people are being abused by our own union on the plant floor, and it's systemic and allowed to occur because the leadership at the international level doesn't step in and say, we're not management. We don't do management's work. Management does management's work. 
Our members need to be protected by our union representatives and their union representatives, and they're not. Cavalierly moving people around to disadvantage them out of line of seniority and likely in violation of EEOC rules that management is required to run by. But because the union's doing it, all they have to do is point to the union and say that's part of our agreement now, and they can do what they want. So there's no essential justice within the system. None. And because our own union leadership at the local level is administering manpower in a way it's not commensurate with federal law, contract, or constitution, our members are being disabused on the plant floor. You haven't heard that from any other leader, active or retired, until you heard that tonight. None of the current people who hold positions are talking about the abuses that are going on in our facilities. And it's wrong. And I'm going to tell you, we talked about this on our call later Friday after I talked with this woman. And I told everybody I want to talk about what's going on with this woman, this member. And it's wrong. And it's going to end. So those of you perpetrating such things as a union leader, when this team gets elected, we have been listening to the members. And they've empowered us to make some changes. Nobody who's disadvantaged in the plant floor should be told ever in a cavalier way, if you don't like what I did, just appeal it. It's wrong. Absolutely and categorically wrong. And this team made a commitment a long time ago to stand up and address abuses and corruption at every level. And believe you me, each and every member of this team is committed to doing exactly and specifically that. Do not get crossways with that ethos. Sad state of affairs when it's worse than the late, the middle 30s right now. And that's not even addressing the temporary situation where they're being treated like in the 1850s, like slaves. 
that's going to change too. Okay, Jeff, do you have any comments on that? Uh, no, you are absolutely correct. Um, we have been challenging leadership, cross leadership, for quite a while. And uh, we are not going to uh, stop there. We're going to keep going. Um, we hear our members talk every day. We know what's going on. And some of us have done quite a bit this year. And we are not going to stop. The only way they're going to stop me is when they six foot under the ground. So I agree with you, Roy. There's a lot of work to be done to get the trust of the membership back. Um, my situation in in our plant, one of them is that when our plant first opened in 1987, 3, 000, over 3,000 people got hired in out of 100,000 applicants. We sent in resumes. And at that time, those of us who were lucky enough to get hired, that we had a secure future ahead of us. Brand new plant. New AW, um Membership, good pay, good benefits. So we had something to strive for. You know, we wanted to see that plant be around. And lately, with these new people coming in, who are now being treated worse than anything I've ever seen, they have to pay. Um, these part-timers are coming in working every day for two years, not getting hired in full-time. Sometimes they just, new people just don't seem to care like we did back in 1987. And that concerns many of us in, who were originally hired in at Mazda. And now with all the dirty politics going on inside the plant, you don't see your reps. You see everybody complaining, they don't see them. Um, it's just getting worse. And we're going to stop it. We've been very lucky in our local this year. We have been taking them head on. And we are, we are going to continue. That's all I got, really. Thank you, Jeff. Uh, I'm, I want to say that I'm real proud of you and your team for stepping up when you identify that you had a narcotics felon who's banned from holding office and you stood up and did everything it took to have that person no longer in that office. They're banned from holding office from 13 years after their sentence has been discharged. They're not allowed to hold office. It's been like two and a half or something, the one that this was an issue on. And now you're facing retaliatory charges, and it's just a crime. Because if all that a confirmed band member has to do is charge the people that tried to get him out of office, him or her, 
file retaliatory charges, then our union will fill up with confirmed band members. You have to be a felon to do that, be a band member. I don't think our union members want to have a bunch of felons running this union. And that will happen. That will happen. If all that need occur is for a confirmed band member that loses their job because somebody stood up and said you shouldn't be there and files a complaint in a proper manner. All that person need to do is file a retaliatory charge and that will be the end of this union. You might as well just let every convict just run for office anytime they want to. God help us then. And that's being perpetrated by some leadership at this time. Allowing that to occur. So, against the Constitution, by the way, can't tell everybody publicly what's going on, but it's wrong, and we're going to fix it. So, um, all right. Thank you, Jeff. David, do you have anything on my report? I do. Um, the UAW Constitution is very important for every member to read and understand every article and section. Um, in the case of the party that Leroy is speaking to in the plant has been told by um, their shop chairman that if you don't like my decision appeal it you will find in the constitution or article 33 the process to do that if you don't understand that process, you are giving that chairman a tremendous amount of power over you because he enjoys the knowledge of knowing that you actually have to write that Article 33 appeal yourself and present it. Not very many members in our union can do that. So it's to everybody's advantage to study the UAW Constitution because it is truly your operating manual. So I have to say, Larry. Yeah, David, you need to understand that the local leadership, by and through the appointees that attend the membership meetings these days, control union floor so they can cavalierly say if you don't like it you can appeal it and know that the appeal will not be upheld in any way shape or form even if it was you know crystal clear as this case was 
because of the structure that's now in our unions. So the chairperson could smugly say that, and and in this case he did, smugly and cavalierly. If you don't like it, just appeal it into full knowledge that even if appeal is written, that it would never go anywhere. Essential justice has left our union. And that's a sad state of affairs. And if you want to continue that, you go vote for these assholes they just nominated last Thursday. Say none of them sticking up for you. I asked somebody about my friend Jim Trafficking. Man that I have a lot of respect for, he's dead now. And they said he told it like it is. Jim Trafficking did me several favors. I maintained communication with him when he was in prison. And I've never seen him to do anything in my mind's eye wrong. But that man told it like it was. And the powers that be didn't like it. So they went out there and made his life hard. Talked about a boat that he didn't even own. Talked about a guy that put his own money in his desk and complained that Trafficant was going to do something about that and complained about people that wanted to go into the Midwest out of Washington, D.C. and see what it's like to be on a farm. And on those three things, they convicted him and put him in prison for eight years. Now, some people probably don't like him. But I'm going to tell you something. I grew up in Youngstown, Ohio. While I was gone from the area in the early 80s in a big depression, a recession, Jim Trafficant was the sheriff. And when people were having their homes foreclosed upon, Sheriff Jim Trafficant refused to execute eviction orders on good, hard-working men and women who fell on bad times because of the economy. And the bankers got mad at him and made his life hard. But the people of the valley, and you know who I'm talking about, loved him. And he got elected by higher percentages than any other congressman in the history of our country, 80% plus people voted for him and they drug him through the mud like a dog but I'm going to tell you something he told it like it was and you're hearing it like it is right now and don't ever forget it 
I'm going to say this one time. Some of you know I'm from Youngstown, Ohio. And I got a lot of Youngstown dog in me. You ask any member of this team and they'll tell you. I don't get too upset. But the tenacity behind what I set out to do is just extraordinary. I'm a Youngstown dog, and unless you're a Youngstown dog yourself, you probably don't know what that means. But I'll tell each and every one of you that are doing the wrong thing for our membership, don't ever, ever underestimate a Youngstown dog. Ever. Having said that, if there's nothing else, I'll ask Jeff. You have anything else you want to talk about, Jeff? No, I don't. You're right. Okay. David, do you have anything else? Nothing to add, Leroy. Thank you, the two of you. Um, I let's see how the switchboard's looking here. I really. Uh, probably just lost everybody. <laughs> I'm sure you can hear me. I think I just hit the wrong button here. So uh, let's close the show out. Uh, if you found value in this show, please tell just one person. Also, uh, if uh, you, for ease of listening, you can find our podcast throughout the week on Blog Talk Radio, Working for a Living, iTunes, Stitcher, and Player FM. Those are located top right-hand corner of our website, workingforaliving.com. Also, there's a page we've been making that uh, that you can listen to right on the, right on the uh, uh, .com itself. The arrow will let you listen right on there, and you can click on the little link, and it will uh, redirect you to Blog Talk Radio if you want to listen to it there. I know some people are having some trouble with that. I try to fix it so that you understand how to access it there on the site. Can uh, a hearty shout-out to our friends around the world in all the six continents that are actually listening. We appreciate it. Our friends in Mexico, Canada, and all our friends across the United States and all local unions, especially UAW, and all those members that don't happen to be a union member but would like to be a union member someday. It's going to get better and we're going to get better wages for our country. We don't, we are. We're going to lead the way. We're going to have that ray of hope for everybody. Uh, we're going to be back on December 10th, next Sunday. And I want to say good night to David and Jeff and all the listeners. Good night. Good night, everybody. Good night. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.